was with a group of people. It was a small group of people, and we were outside and socially distanced. Man, I'm not judging you. I could see the look on your face. And you looked at my shoes, too. But we were talking about who's America's sweetheart today. Oh, yeah. I always like this topic. Someone suggested it was Cardi B. I think it might be. People, everyone likes her. Even people who say, hey, this subject matter, this song is not appropriate. They like her. They want her to win. Even people that don't like her secretly yeah, like her. I don't know what it is that some people have. They just have a real charisma and they're just a likable human beings. You know what? I wouldn't argue with this. She probably is America's sweetheart now. I don't know when she got the belt. I don't know who she got it from. I call a lot of people America's sweetheart. She supplanted Baby Yoda, I think. That, that works for me. So we should send her her congratulations letter. Yeah, we'll send her a no prize. Do you want to start the show? Yeah, I'm going to start it right now. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Every Damn Thing. It's a podcast where we rank everything. I'm Phil. And I'm Jake, and we're here to guide you through the list of everything. Each episode, we take items and tell you where they rank on a list of everything. The list can be viewed by going to everydamnthing.net. You can find a link to that in the show notes. So we've known each other for... For a very long time, it's true. And yes. once, while on a starry-eyed quest for fortune and fame... If I remember it right, it was right after we moved to the big city. Yeah, and at a Hollywood party, we were handed a spec script that contained a ranked list of everything. Immediately after seeing the list, we committed it to memory, but our sense that life would be better in our hometown... The place we'd left behind... ...caused us to take a long, lonely trip back to our hometown. The place we'd left behind... On the drive, we passed through a desert so dark and desolate that we entered into a deep state of depression and our memory of the list faded away into the nothingness. We can now only access the list bits at a time through an extremely scientific process that resembles shooting the shit. Through this process, podcasted for your entertainment and edification, we will gradually uncover the list of every damn thing. The list currently has 35 items, with Prince, the singer, at the top, and QAnon, the uh, problem, at the bottom. (laughs) National debt and band t-shirts are in the middle. Yeah, in the middle is uh, number 17 and 18. Uh, so yeah, that's an idea of where the list is, and we're going to address four things today. Um, for for the record, Jake, the problem I'm talking about is the deep state. Yeah, like, of course, the deep state cannibalism, uh, Hollywood sickos, the, the children not being saved currently. Yeah. So yeah, so what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to rank one thing that was submitted by a listener. Yeah. And then Phil has a few other things that we're going to rank after that, and there's a theme to... Yeah, the one that suggested is a pop song, so I thought we're going to rank a couple pop songs on here and uh, populate that part of the list, because there's no pop songs on there now. Yeah, the first one was submitted by our listener Adam C., uh, and friend of the pod, and it's the song Dancing Queen by ABBA, uh, released in 1976. Can you pronounce the guy who wrote its name? Is he a member of ABBA? I think he yeah, is, I'm yeah. sure, they, right? Like, they all have these names where it's like, I, what are you going to call him? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. the supergroup ABBA from Sweden. They're and a this pop is group maybe from their the biggest 70s. hit, would you say? I don't know. I think it is, which I don't know what my favorite song of theirs is. I know this one's not my favorite song of theirs. I know that there's other songs of theirs that I like more. I that do was like the this thing, because we're talking about ranking this. And I first I thought, what's another song about queens? I thought, well, a killer oh. queen, right? Okay, yeah. And I thought, well, I think I might like Killer Queen more. I'm not sure. With it not being on the list, yeah, but uh, it, it'd be I'm hard just to rank trying it. To, trying to, I'm, we're, we're trying to compare things. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Then I thought, well, what about other ABBA songs? And I thought, of the ABBA songs that I like the most, oh, I like Super Trooper. That's a good song. Sure. I found out Super Trooper is about a kind of spotlight. I never knew that. Oh, well, okay. So it's about the price of fame or something, you know. I thought, oh, okay, that's well, interesting. Okay. I never knew that. Then I thought... It never occurred I... to me that ABBA songs could be about things until <laughs> I realized that the song was. Well, like Waterloo, there's a little bit of like history in Waterloo. Yeah. Just like Napoleon surrendered, I'm going to be surrendering to yeah. you. This is my Waterloo. I think Waterloo might be my favorite song of theirs. I think I like that one more than Dancing Queen. I like that one. I also like Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight. You know this one? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I probably do, it, but... It's great, dude. And... Also, Lay All Your Love on Me. That chorus is like 
probably the best chorus of ever song. I think. It's don't What's go it sound like? Don't go wasting your emotion. Lay all your love. Edit me out okay. saying this and put them in saying it. It's a love song, dude, and it's a good song. And I like it more than I like Dancing Queen. And then I thought, well, there are other discos because this is. It's kind of a tiny bit of a departure for ABBA. They have other songs that are like disco tracks. The song is very disco. Now, these are like genre distinctions that I don't really understand. Yeah. But at the time, the producers were like, yeah, we're making like a Euro pop version of American disco. Right. And But then I was thinking about like, if you compare that to songs coming out of America at the time, you had Hot Stuff by Diana right. Ross, which I'm into. Yeah. You have Funky Town by Lips Incorporated. You have Le Freak by Chic. Okay. And you have I Feel Love by Donna Summer. So the first one and the last one of those you listed are, I think could compete with this. It's just to sit, think of some stuff that, to compare it to. Now, I like the song. I think because it's about like the feeling of being a girl who is 17. It's, like, it's hard for me to really relate to it. But maybe that's the point. It puts you into someone else's shoes for a minute. You're like, oh, if I could be a dancing queen, when the music comes on, I can feel like this. You know, I can. I understand that. I guess music is is subjective, right? So it's I'm not crazy for it, you know. It never stood out to me as a song that I thought was great. I, I kind of like all ABBA songs. Yeah, they they make pretty good pop songs, but this one was a little bit too disco-y for me, and that may have more to do with my associations, you know, of like things I've seen it in than with the song itself. Well, like you see it in a movie or something. Yeah, lots of movies, you know, commercials, TV shows. So Adam made. I'm gonna read some of what Adam wrote to us because he wrote to us a bit about it. It was a very heartfelt note. He said, "I like that the song starts with a chorus. It's kind of a power move, being so confident in your chorus." that you waste no time getting into it. The Beatles did it all the time. Uh, Dancing Queen has a short instrumental intro that hits you with a chorus hook right out of the gate, and it's not even the biggest hook of the song. He also was wondering which part is like, are you the Dancing Queen or you can dance, you can jive? Which which is chorus, which is post-chorus? I think they're all part of the chorus. Like When I'm thinking of songs that start with the chorus... Cause I really like it when songs start with the chorus. Is it just because like you know the name of it, so you don't have no, to rip the chorus? It gives you the sense that you just like dropped into it, sort of, in some way. Or... So like the song was going on, and then and you just walk in the room as... Like the song's eternal. Does it end with a fade-out? It probably does, because of when it was made. This song, it, not only does it start with the chorus, but I think, uh, if I have it right, it starts with the second half of the chorus. Like Adam said like in his email, that it's unclear... Which is the chorus and which is the pre-chorus? Because the bit that it starts with is, yeah, essentially the second half of the chorus. So it's Dance sort of queen, starts mid-chorus it, at the very yeah. beginning of the song. I don't know, man. To like, me, it draws you into. It, for one thing, it gives the sense that the song is there already, you know, like in the atmosphere, and you've just been dropped into it, and it's there just like on an eternal loop in the universe, and you've just been dropped into it. This is something that makes people happy too. We got to factor this in. I went on YouTube and I looked at comments from about the song. Right. Here's one. Here's one that I read. I cried, even though I wasn't even conscious when this song was out. I feel nostalgic. You want to know yeah. why? Because when I was eight, I joined the school band. I know I was young, but I could still remember almost every memory. We played this song, and our coach was the best. He was kind and nice to everyone. Although we were only with him for a year, we liked him. He was the school's first coach, and I'm proud to be one of his students. Sadly, he died after the year, and we got a new coach. But this time, I was oh. nine. And, and yeah, he was nice, but just didn't have the same energy as our old coach. Turns out, he wasn't really a coach. He was just a person who was really good in dancing and music, you know? The band stuff. He scammed our school and basically stole the money that was supposed to be for our costumes. Long story short, I quit the band after that, and this song gives me memories of our first coach. Wait, the band had a coach? Like, the leader of the band is a coach? 
Yeah. That was confusing yeah. to me. They were probably playing this in a marching band. It's a cool anthemic song. I mean, and like all ABBA songs, they're all, you know, sort of anthemic or, or they're great pop songs. So this point that Adam pointed out about the chorus is something I hadn't thought that much about. And it is pretty impressive, mainly that it starts at the beginning. And also like the hooks in the chorus are neat. He also, and you talking about it being a joyous song, I'm going to quote Adam again. He said, it has a subtle melancholy to it, despite being so poppy and saccharine. And that it counterpunches. Yeah, I get it. You get a little bit of sour with the sweet. You're citing a story of a person saying that they cried when they listened to it. So it, it yeah. does make sense. There is happy crying. Like to me, I could imagine crying listening to this song. Like it doesn't mean anything to me personally, but it makes sense. And I think not necessarily the lyrics, and I do want to touch on the lyrics a little bit later, but the vocals and the music, especially the, the piano part in it, it does have what Adam called a subtle melancholy. Um, like a sort of wistfulness to me it evokes a mournful sense the song's about of a young person a 17 year old going out to a club and dancing and to me it evokes the fleetingness of youth yeah and oh and a lot like, of the comments on youtube when i was looking for those comments a lot of them were for girls who are saying you know my 18th birthday is is today and the, i'm listening to this song and i'm thinking is this the last time i'm going to really appreciate this song or they're thinking they're thinking ahead to when they're going to be thinking back like that or they're you know trying to get some perspective i feel like the music it's something literally in the music that that evokes that emotion and it's stuff we can't understand you and i aren't like musicians we're well, just but, listening to it but somehow it makes me feel that way and i know how it's making me feel yeah. i don't know if it, they intended to but i think the incredible thing about it is it has that melancholy and that wistfulness but it also is at the same time a totally like joyous celebratory song and a great dancing song again adam points out that it's like that song could really define the genre of, uh, and the entire period of time and this oh you mean like if disco? you see a movie and it's set in the 70s if they put this song it would be like because it's broad enough you could set anything to that song and it would kind of work it's not especially specific but you can do a lot with it it can do a lot emotionally for people yeah and i feel like the 70s were a time when there was a lot of melancholy you know malaise as jimmy carter put it but and this is coming out of sweden we don't know what was going on over there they had bjorn borg but it was in, in the u.s open oh yeah but you gotta sell those records man maybe they know. were reading something about the american culture and the american spirit at the time that and they read it really well because they're swedish people and they're very oh they're, they're insightful insightful yeah this segues into the lyrics are pretty european and they also the lyrics are very very 70s including i'm going to read out some lyrics you're a teaser, you turn them on. Leave them burning, and then you're gone. Looking out for another, anyone will do. So it's really like, really free love. And they're talking about a, a kid, too. Yeah, and I feel like she might have given venereal disease to someone. No, no, she left them like they're, they're heated up. She gets them all worked up on the oh, dance floor. You know, and they're like, oh, watch her spin around. Look at her, her hair is feathered in a beautiful way, you know. I can't, I can't believe it. Um, no, I'm so almost it, ready to rank it. wanted to point out one thing. What's that? But apparently John McCain claimed that this is his favorite song in a 2008 interview with Blender Magazine. Okay, that kind of makes sense. Was this song out when he gets out of the oh, North yeah, Vietnamese maybe. prison? He he was in a Vietnamese POW camp and maybe he gets out and he turns on the radio when he touches down and he hears that and he's like, you know what, I like this. I'm glad I'm not in that POW camp. He didn't say, turn that stuff off. Is there theories about John McCain being gay? Oh, because he likes this song so much? Or? I was listening to somebody today talking about Lindsey Graham. And they and one of their arguments for... You know there's theories of Lindsey Graham being gay? Oh, yeah. And one of the arguments yeah. is that he was friends with John McCain. That stuff doesn't really come up with John McCain. With stuff with Lindsey Graham, I gotta... It's gonna be off topic, but I really don't think that's right. Like, that's his own business. Whether or not you should out somebody... Yeah, and it's then, very like, good what's not going to out somebody, but if that person is an enemy of... Like, this guy's an awful guy, It's right? probably not even appropriate for us as being two straight guys. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not even appropriate for us to talk about... I just don't like it, and there's, like... Positive person. There's a hundred reasons why uh, that guy's a problem, and, like, if as long as, like, he's doing anything with the consenting adults, you know what I mean? And uh, if they're right. escorts, as long as they, he, like, the check clears and stuff... It just it's don't, the, it's I the don't hypocrisy think it's that, that... I guess, yeah, he's a hypocrite, like, but it's like... I think that there's, like, this 
real homophobia in the way that he's talked about by people who don't like him. They're like, they hate Trump. They say the same with Trump. They'll be like, we hate Trump um, on Twitter and stuff. And then you, then they get into it and they're like, yeah, he's gay for with Putin, Putin or this or that. Oh, right, and it's like, right. With Lindsey Graham, there's, I think there's more substantial evidence in that Yeah, direction. but it's just like, there's enough or here's like honestly like i have enough reasons not to like lindsey yeah. graham yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like true like true. that like i don't i don't care what that guy does and, and it's like i just think it's it's gross so um, yeah i mean it could mean his downfall if it were to come out it's more like schadenfreude with his supporters and how they would react to that knowledge if it were yeah i guess um, we can move on and i guess we got to rank this song mm-hmm. this would be the first full song we put on the list there's some and musicians. you have said that you like the world of ideas i do idea. i do and it turns out i really lean towards liking like songs in general you've accused me before of being sort of music centric and i think i am as it turns out i'm not being harsh on you so where do you think it should go i don't think i like it more than the intro to back that ass up so i'm looking at either somewhere between there that intro to back that ass up being number seven on the list and i'm looking at jessica rabbit and intro to back that ass up and jessica rabbit i think are my ceiling and floor yeah Um, what are your thoughts i can see that okay my thing is since we ranked watchman tv series i started thinking about how i don't know if we got into it too much on that episode but how Alan Moore's contract was supposed to give him back the rights. So even though it doesn't violate the letter of the, you know, the letter of the contract that they're making TV series, I kind of mm-hmm. have a bad feeling about them making anything based on it. Yeah, because yeah. Because they were yeah. tricky with them on that. So I'm happy to put it above Watchmen, the TV series. Okay, so in that... You know, I'm protective of Jessica Rabbit and I would like her to be higher up there, but, you know, that's how it is. So if you want to put it at the new number 11 above Watchmen TV series, that sounds good to me. I have no problem putting it above Land or Rye Bread either, but I don't know how you feel about either of those. You know, if I never heard that song again in my life, I would actually be okay. Whereas if I never had Rye Bread again in my life... Or never cut my fingernails again in my life, or had to use scissors. So what if we put it before land, uh, between rye bread and land? Rye bread being number nine, land being number ten. I like putting my feet on dry land too, though. I don't need land to dance, don't you? To be a dancing queen. Well, you could be a dancing queen out on a yacht. Oh, you're right, and it's probably pretty common. So we put it after land at number eleven. We'll replace Watchmen for number eleven, and Watchmen becomes number twelve. Yeah. So uh, Dancing Queen is number eleven. It's our first song on the list. Our first full song. Our first full song. So do you want to take a break, and we're gonna move on to? um... Let's take a break and go on to the next one. Hey, welcome back, Jake. It's yeah, good to thanks. see you once again. So the songs that I want to talk about, they all are about people that leave Los Angeles because things didn't work out in show business, and then they move back to their hometown. So there's three songs that we're going to talk about. The first one is Midnight Train to Georgia. Midnight Train to Georgia is a song by Gladys Knight and the Pips. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, a massive hit, a big yeah. hit, right? It's written by a guy who used to be a quarterback, a college football quarterback, and um, he heard he was talking to Farrah Fawcett on the phone, and yeah. she said she was going to take a midnight plane to Houston. And he's like, oh, that sounds good. And he wrote That's that down. That's the song, yeah. Yeah, so, yes. and then, so, then he wrote that song. And then uh, Sissy Houston, who is uh, uh, Whitney Houston's mom, was a song- singer. And she covered it, right? And she was the one who said, wait, you know, I, I don't take a plane anywhere. I'm going to put a train in there. And change it around a little bit. She asked him if he she could change it. And he said, yeah, just don't change the writer or publisher on it. You know, do yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and so she did, and this was like in a different world. It's kind of weird to think about it now, but like... So it's 1973. Yeah, 1973. In 1973, there was a lot of more, like, I guess you'd say like country and soul crossover. Oh, yeah. There'd be like R.B. singer and they cover a Bob Dylan song. Yeah, because or, like in a lot of cases, it was a different, totally different market. 
and we yeah. played on. Totally oh, you'd be like, oh, you see, we don't know this song. They'd be like, um, what's another famous one? Oh, you know, I will always love you, um, which is years later. But I'm saying that kind of thing used to be. There's a- lots of examples. I think like lots of Patsy Cline songs were covered. Totally, and it's just like. And then I mean, Ray Charles made whole country albums. Yeah, there, there's a lot more of that, you know, in the 1970s. Or I, I feel yeah. like you saw less of that as it yeah. went on. I said I will yeah. always love you, even that was 1991, but yeah. you know what I mean. I mean, uh, yeah, and Willie Nelson covered George on My Mind, which is probably, I, I forget when he covered that, but that's probably a good example. Yeah, totally. So he's a country singer. She she makes this version of it. It's weird that it was Farrah Fawcett was involved. Like, that basically, Farrah yeah, Fawcett. Super 70s. And also going to Houston. Like, Houston is a 70s city, I don't know, for some reason to me. Um, now, the, the, the most famous version of the song is by Gladys Knight, and Gladys Knight she has these backup singers, the Pips, and they kind of give like a counterpoint, I feel like. As she's saying something, they almost like undercut it. So the song is about a guy who goes, he couldn't make it in LA. He wanted to be a superstar. but he, And then when she says that, the Pips are like, yeah, superstar, but he didn't get far. Like they're ruthless on him. You know, they. Yeah. it's like, who are they? Like her friends talking bad about him? Yeah, or, the you chorus, know, literally. Like, yeah, like Greek chorus. Yeah. And that's really cool to me. So anyway, it's about him and he's going to go back to Georgia and he's going to have a simpler life, you know, that he left behind to come out here. And then the end of the song is like, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go with him on the well, match. Yeah, I, that actually, that's the end of the chorus. Like, you learn about a third of the way into the song that the song is from the perspective of presumably his girlfriend, his lover. Yeah. So it's, it's a cool, like, sort of wistful song about... I keep saying wistful. I used that in the last segment. But um, it's a song about Georgia, but it's sung by a person who maybe has never been to Georgia. Yeah, she just heard him say, hey, we we got to get things. Are, things are simpler there, you know? Just me. Yeah. She probably, I like it when she gets there, you know? When yeah, she gets but it's off better the, than living without him. Yeah, she got to live in his world. And I like that song. It's I think it's a beautiful song. It's a happy song and it's a sad song. Yeah. It's, it's about loss and failure. It's also about like love. And it's not about like he's he's leaving. He's going back. Like yeah, um, but like she's going with him, so it's like he brought he got he he got her out of the deal at least, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's just I just think it's like also I gotta I gotta say it's like it's like beautifully produced the oh, horns yeah, and intro like, and, in and, it. and Gladys Knight's voice is just yeah outstanding. She destroys it like it's yeah. and, and it, the Pips do as well. They do great. They do a great job too. And, and when you hear it, like to me, the first like say five seconds of that, I'm, I'm into it. Hearing that horn intro, which you don't, it's like a it's like a Motown thing, or it's like a thing that you don't that, that was that used to be big. In, a, in an earlier era, you know, where yeah. you don't have a song that starts with a horn hit like that. And I just I just love it, man. I think it's a fantastic song. I think it's the best song we've looked at on the list so far. Like, maybe you disagree. I'm ready to rank oh, it right um, now. I can't think of any problem with it. Oh, there is a problem with it, and I'm hoping you don't mention it. No, I can say more good things about it. I, knew, I know the problem with it, what you're going to say then. What is it? If you got a train from Los Angeles. Yeah. And you go into Atlanta on yeah. one train. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like... There's not a midnight. You leave at midnight. Well, you you might leave at midnight because it's not like you're arriving at Atlanta in the morning. Like I don't know how long you have switch trains. You well, you may not have to switch trains. There might have been a train at the time, and maybe there still is that goes from coast to coast. Yeah, I can't say for sure. It, it was strange to me that they're leaving at midnight, but maybe it's not so strange because you get on the train, you go to sleep, you wake, you wake up, up like and, in like New Mexico or something. You make some stops, probably stop in Texas. You reach your hand out you, the window and and you grab a peach off a tree as you come into Georgia. Yeah, three days later you're in Georgia. You get out the train you step into that clay and uh, right, yeah and you eat a Vidalia Vidalia onion, Vidalia onion bite yeah, into it like an apple bite into it like an apple yeah and it's sweet yeah. I think they're going to be happy together I'm look, I, I'm optimistic about their future I am too I'm curious about the guy that went all the way from Georgia to LA and it wasn't clear if he's a singer or a, if you he, want to be a superstar an actor a superstar at some point in the 70s there were a lot of singer actors triple so. threats triple threats you yeah, want to exactly. be like Chris Christopherson the other thing about this song that this song has going for it is that it's about trains 
and I have a special place in my heart for any songs about trains. I'm already on board, so to speak, uh, when it comes to this song. (laughs) I see what you did there. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there's not a whole lot more to say about it. Yeah, it's not a complicated song. It's not I a mean, complicated song. The lyrics itself are, like, pretty simple. There's there, uh, some of the other songs, I think. The production is beautiful, I would say. production is great. The, and, like, and the talent of the, mainly the um, principal. Uh, yeah, but of, lyrically, I wouldn't say it's the most, there's not, no. like, a, a, lot of, a lot of twist to it or something. You know yeah. what I mean? The, the only twist is that she's going to go with them. The one lyric that I find kind of interesting is that he remembers Georgia as being a simpler place in time i think is the lyric he's gonna time travel she's she's talking about time travel he's not going yeah. back to no pre- he's not going back to Georgia. before the no no he's okay. going, he, maybe he's going to the future like the simpler time might be again. might be the year 2050 you know yeah so definitely i would put it above uh dancing queen i like dancing queen quite a bit mm-hmm. but this song okay i like maybe put that. it above the intro to back that ass up because so, i like the intro to this song more than the intro to back that ass up or as much oh, as okay. i like it plus there's a whole other song Okay, like, so hold the on first second. five seconds of this song. Bear with me. I'm going to listen to just the intro of Midnight Train to Georgia. All right. Um, because I, I want to say I definitely like Back That Ass Up less, but I'm not, yeah. I can't be positive about the intros comparing the two. I'm about to do it. So I don't like that intro more than I like the intro to Back That Ass Up. Mm. It doesn't evoke the energy and spirit. The intro to back that ass up, but yeah, music, music is subjective. We're judging the whole song here, and yeah. I want to say, would you I like, like it more if they said the th- names of places they were going to go through on the way back to Georgia? Oh, I would definitely, absolutely like it more if it did that. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking about this is what Jake wants. Most train songs should name. Here's the rule: the yeah. origin, the destination, <laughs> and this song does those things. And at yeah. least one place, ideally, like what route they're going to go. At least one place in the middle. If not multiple places in the middle. Oh, like if she mentioned, or if it's just a list of names of towns. Yeah, like, like I've been everywhere. I've been or something. everywhere. Yeah. You yeah. know, I've been everywhere was originally written by an Australian about towns in Australia. I didn't know that one bit. That's a very, <laughs> it's very interesting. All right. The thing is, I, I, the, where I'm looking at for this list, then if you, if your ceiling is uh, the intro to back that no, as no, up, no, that's, that's not fine. my ceiling. I'm, I'm willing to put it above that. I like this. Mm whole song i think more than i like just the nothing about watchmen is watchmen defines a whole genre right? watchmen the comic book yeah oh yeah i don't which like is at number watchmen, five so i guess your ceiling i is, can't put it above watchmen i don't i wouldn't put it above onions i guess my thinking about it is it's a perfect little song but it's it's only a song onions are onions you know you can't yeah i couldn't do without those i'm okay with that so onions is at number six watchmen is at number five it sounds like we're putting it um no, at number after seven onions, so after onions yeah. so it'll replace Back, the intro to back that ass up moving intro to back that ass up to number eight and this song yes. in that train to georgia will be in at number seven yes uh that sounds great man we did it that we did it good. yeah it was stressful it was touch and go for a minute there but we were able to succeed let's take a break and then do let's the take next a break song. and we'll come back okay. okay okay hey we're back all right so the next one we're going to talk about is a similar song it's called do you know the way to san jose are you familiar with this song yeah this is released in 1968 by Dion warwick yeah but it's written by Burke Baccarat. And with Another Insta- Whitney Houston connection, because isn't she Whitney's um, She's Whitney's godmother. godmother. She appears so, in the um, How Will You Know video in the screen in the background. Or How um, Will I Know It. So Burke Baccarat doing the production. Hal Dave wrote the lyrics. And so this is a song I hadn't... I was aware of the song. I You know, I knew the melody of the chorus, but I had never really listened to the whole thing until today. Yeah. And it's not a great song. I'm not especially impressed by the song. I like the production of it. I like... Right. Again, I like the horns on it. I like the drums. Bum, bum, bum. That part, you know? I, Sounds like I, it belongs in a Disney 
movie or something. Kind of, yeah. The like the writing is a little bit silly. I gotta admit, there's some turns of phrase and stuff where you're like, right. It's a corny song. Again, this is a song about it's not working out for her in L.A. She thought it'd be easy. You go down there, they make you a star. But all the people that never really made it, they're just pumping gas and washing yeah. cars. The lyrics so, of this are actually more substantive than Midnight Train to Georgia. Oh yeah, that you learn more about it. But then they start talking about San verses. Jose, and as someone who like I used to live not far from San Jose, and like she says these things about San Jose that maybe I don't know if they were ever true and I, I looked it up and like the guy who wrote the song never had actually been to San Jose it just rhymed I thought the guy that wrote the lyrics was into San Jose maybe we read different Wikipedias he was into San Jose because he had been there in the Navy but maybe he hadn't really spent oh, much time there maybe it was like Dion Warwick had never been to San Jose. it's true like some of the lyrics say LA is a great big freeway one of the main themes is LA is full of cars and yeah and but then, like I've been to San Jose man like that's yeah exactly it's, it, maybe the song it may, has a lyric that San Jose has more clear air or something like you that you can really maybe breathe maybe it does there. than LA but like <laughs> yeah not this week there's not a lot yeah. less traffic especially lately so it's it is funny but you know San Jose is probably this song hit San harder it's probably pretty different yeah. than LA the, this song then. hit differently like when it came out if it would have been like do you know the way to St. Tropez or Santa Fe or Kingston Bay or Monterey maybe that would have worked better you know and also the interstate was around back then so the way to get to San Jose if you're in Los Angeles is you get on Highway 101 and you continue on Highway 101 yeah maybe I-5 wasn't there yet maybe it was but like 101 goes through both places yeah it's hard to imagine somebody I mean it's like you you just go (laughs) Up. You just go north. Maybe she was super high, like drunk. Or hitchhiking. Drunk oh, it's a drug situation. Anyway, I like the song. I think it's really well produced. Dionne Warwick has a, has a great voice. It's kind of sillier in a way. You know, it's a little yeah. lighter, even oh, though it's it is. about Definitely exactly the same subject. And there's not a love story built in there. So, yeah, there's talk about cars. One lyric talks about how, like, there's cars everywhere, but if you don't become a star, you'll end up parking cars or pumping right. gas. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe it's a different San Jose, but it's the same San Jose. Oh, you think they're San- talking about like Ecuador or whatever? Well, or I thought maybe there's a San Jose in you know New Mexico or Colorado or somewhere, but no, it's about San Jose, California. Yeah, P- um, in San Jose, I, they're into the song, I imagine. You- the Earthquakes, the San Jose Major League Soccer team, they play the song after every home game. I gotta take issue with this, man. What's that? Having a team and it's named after the worst thing that's gonna happen. It's yeah. going to happen, by the way. Like, yeah. eventually there's going to be an earthquake that destroys half of California. And then yeah. the soccer team is going to say, like, well, come to this game. It's named after the thing that killed your family or, you know what I mean, that destroyed yeah. your house. And people aren't going to want to go to it then. There was a, uh, They're going to have to move to, like, Seattle or somewhere that didn't have an earthquake recently but is under threat. But, like, why call it an earthquake in the first place? Eventually there's going to be an earthquake. And it's, like, yeah. it's not something people like. What do you like about California? Oh, I like the earthquakes. You know, it, it just, I understand they're, they're, they're powerful, they're destructive, you know, they're, they're awe-inspiring, but it's not something that people really like. Isn't the Colorado team called the Avalanche? I think so. There's a yeah. hockey team. And there's a, there's a Chicago team called the Chicago Fire, which is also, like, historically a thing that destroyed half the city. Yeah. Which is, like, I understand they're, like, yeah, fire is cool, I guess. Or, you know, and there's a team called Miami Heat, and Heat is, like, like something you don't like. Too. It's an unpleasant thing. Yeah. Some it's people like, like it. I, I'm just saying, like, I think it's crazy that they come up with something that people don't like. The Colts used to be the Colt 45s, right? The Astros, I think. I see. That's more of a cowboy thing. So I'm ready to rank it. Okay. So this song, I don't... It doesn't uh, have... 
I, I like it. I heard it. I liked it. I heard it on the radio. I said, this is good. I would put it below coffee. Coffee's number 18. National debt number 19. I would put it... I, I'm keep going down like... Okay, but I like it more than I like the Watchmen movie. So I don't. So Watchmen movie's at number 27. You like the Watchmen movie more than you like this song about going back home? It might just be that that type of music isn't my cup of tea. You I don't mean, like pop music. You don't think Burt Bacharach knows what he's doing? Maybe it's that era of pop music. Burt Bacharach stuff, I've never been drawn to, I don't think. It's not somebody whose name I hear and I go like oh I want to you know I'm curious what yeah I'm gonna seek that out what's that on the radio is that some Burt Bacharach tune turn it up man yeah exactly yeah, I um, get it okay I got some real misgivings about the Watchmen movie first of all that they made it in the, in the first place right and second that it like uh, it's so literal it could have been worse given what it is but I think do you know the way to San Jose is about as good as that song could have been there's not another world where there's a better version of of that song out there. Well, it's not like I mean, there's where they could have said Monterey. Midnight Train of Georgia. Oh, or the one where they could have said Monterey. <laughs> okay. Okay, so look at Watchmen movie this way. What about if you look at it on the quality of the acting in it or the... Oh, the, the costumes or the sets or the... The costumes and the sets. And, yeah, and, a lot of know, people work hard on it, man. But I'm just saying, like, it. I, I think it's a fundamentally misguided idea like it doesn't make any sense to even do it the movie is as good as it could have been given the fact that it's not a good idea to make that movie maybe you feel the same way about this song you're like i don't really like this kind of song but it's not like a super unique idea like a... yeah, i guess because we just listened to you know glass night in the pips i mean this song came out before the one we listened to before and mm-hmm. i can't think of specific examples in song of the story of going to la to find stardom and not finding it and going home again but i'm sure there are songs like that and if not songs then you know movies or tv shows or whatever they need it that song should have a a science fiction reboot basically make a new song and set it in the future and it's about time travel and it's about literally like going back in time from los angeles of now to los angeles of 1964 or something oh maybe i'm just that is a good idea i'll spitball in here that song and uh midnight train to georgia those songs in general are kind of about going back in time which you yeah yeah or like about your youth or trying to recapture something that's maybe no longer there there's a sadness to it but uh, though that's the thing the difference between this and the glass night song is this song is more it's about as poppy as a song can be and oh by the way i got a note that i can read to you from this i found a comment on it on youtube oh youtube comments the highest form of human expression man yeah he said i lived in san jose in 66 and 67 i was running away from the racism and bigotry of the south i found a home in willow glen off meridian avenue in san jose in a college sjsc that was very diverse and progressive compared to my experiences back in North Carolina. Uncle Sam got me when I came up one credit hour short to keep my deferment. So off to the battlefield of Vietnam I went. I'm thankful for my time in SJ. It was a time of growth and discovery for a young Southern boy needing a new direction. And yes, I know the way to San Jose and I found some peace of mind there. Okay, well, you convinced me. Um, We can put it above Watchmen the movie and above... No, no, not above toe shoes. We'll put it at number 27. All right. It moves Watchmen the movie to number 28. All right. And then, so we're not going to take a break. We're just going to move straight on to the next yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we, we slammed through that one enough we can fit in this next yeah. song. That was a real slam job. Yeah, real slam job. Um, this next one is uh, Tulsa Time by Don Williams, written by Danny Flowers. This is another song about failure in L.A. This one is maybe the cleverest song from a songwriting perspective, I think. There's some cleverness in the San Jose one. But it's stripped down. It, it, this one is stripped down like the musical. Musically, I don't think the production, there's nothing really too fancy going on. There's nothing like Gladys Knight's voice. There's nothing like the drums, the bumbo. There's no horns. It's just, the, you know, a guy singing. Um, but it's yeah, yeah. Funny... There's some guitar playing in it. Yeah, and and what I like about this song is, do we say it was from 1978? Yeah, I, I didn't okay. say that. So this is the 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 latest of the three songs. Yeah. And the thing about this song I like is, it's about a guy who leaves Oklahoma, or t- Tulsa, Oklahoma, come to LA to be a songwriter. So it's written from a, like he's more specific about what he's trying to do, which is be a songwriter. 
Which the yeah. other ones aren't specific. Yeah, but right? he said he was, they don't need me in the movies. But I guess he's talking about writing songs for movies. I guess. Or maybe it's just like he, he's not going to get, he's not getting cast in movies as, He says, you know, but they don't need me in the movies and nobody sings my songs. So, yeah, I guess it's, like I said, maybe it's a kind of, he want to be Chris Christopherson. That was yeah, model. And, and it wasn't working out for him. I, I think it's cool that it worked out for him, that this was a big hit. And, you know, he was able to uh, probably stay in L.A. with them, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, I think the clever thing about the song is it's about that he's living on Tulsa time still. Meaning, like, he's in a different time zone. He still is, is like, sleeping and waking up in Tulsa time. Instead of waking up at 8, he wakes up at 6 or whatever. Even though Central he just time. drove there, it's not like he, he has jet lag, right? Because yeah. he even says he drove in a Pontiac. By the way, yeah. the fact that he drove in a Pontiac, I really like that. It, it, it's a specific thing. Yeah. Like the other songs are like, it's a train, it's a plane. They're very vague, right. right? Something that really works for me in songs is when there's a specific detail that grounds it. It, it like, it makes it seem like it's a real experience and not just a super vague. And I understand you want to be vague, like ABBA or something, you know, you don't yeah. want to be too specific because you want everybody to be able to relate to it. But paradoxically, I think making it super specific, saying like, yeah. I was trying to be a songwriter. Like, of course, I never try to be a songwriter, but I understand the idea of, you know, I've never had a Pontiac, but I understand what a Pontiac is. So in a sense, I like, I think I like this song the most as a piece of songwriting. But the problem is that as a piece of production, I think the other songs overshadow it. There's like a virtuosity that goes on with the right. other ones that you don't, you don't really get in this. Now, you can say like, what's the best song? Is that, you know, is the best song the song where the best guitar player shreds the best solo, you know, at the loudest volume? Or is it the one that makes you feel something, you know, the most? I don't yeah. know. That's a tricky thing. And there's a lot of subjectivity to it. I wanted to um, touch on the thing you said about the Pontiac and driving and it not being a train or a plane and the fact of it being uh, Oklahoma. And maybe this is intentional, maybe not. But like the story of driving from Oklahoma to California is like a story that's been oh. told a lot. It's the story of the Okies that left the Dust Bowl. Oh, um, and he's like so recreating seems, that drive. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of natural if you're going from Oklahoma to California for it to be on a car. There's a long tradition of that. I didn't really think about it from like an Oki perspective. Oh, yeah, there's that too. There's the double meaning in time as well, too. He's like LA and California move faster than things do in Tulsa. Um, oh, he's always late. He's still on Tulsa time. And he just is not as quick to catch things, perhaps, or like just like everything seems uh, fast to him uh, because yeah. he's on Tulsa time. I bet uh, he'd be saying that. Meeting. They're like, hey, how come you didn't show up for the meeting? He's like, hey, man, I'm still on Tulsa time. Yeah, like island time. Yeah. And at the end, he's like, he's going to set his watch back to it. You know, yeah. I've really been through it. I'm going to set my watch back to it. As far as the song goes, I don't think that there's anything so great about Do You Know Your Way to San Jose that makes it any better than this song. I think the lyrics are maybe about equivalent, but the song itself, like, I don't think is any better than this song. In fact, I think just my tendency to, to like country songs makes me like this more. That's not true of Midnight Train to Georgia. That song is way beyond. Yeah, I think that's like like the ceiling and floor. It's like, even though I think this is a, true, yeah. a, a better song from a songwriting angle, right? And it kind of speaks to me, maybe a little more. It doesn't hit as hard as a performance. Right. So I would say the ceiling is Midnight Train to Georgia and the floor is Do You Know the Way San Jose. And we have to find somewhere okay. in between. That's between. So there's another song that's already in between there, which is... Dancing Queen. Yeah. I don't know if I would have said this before today, before I looked at both songs and read their lyrics, um, and before Adam made his arguments for Dancing Queen, but I, uh -huh. I think that Dancing Queen is a better piece of music than Tulsa Time is. Uh, as a piece of music? It's a better song, I guess is a good way to say it. I mean, I like to Tulsa Time a lot, but you're right. Tulsa Time is something where there's a couple of clever things in it. Yeah. I like cleverness, right? I like funny stuff. I like a little trick. Dancing Queen doesn't have any of that in it, but it has something that you can't, you, I can't, I can't dispute that there's something going on there that's a, a beautiful thing that I can't really, that can't really be put into words. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and that's sort of like the key of music is that it, it draws right. emotions what, from you. And that, what I'm that, talking about is something that literally what Tulsa Time has is a beautiful thing that is exactly put into words, right? That's yeah. That's what's good about Tulsa Time. So Plus a little bit of cleverness. So, you know what? I can live with that. Put it okay. at the new number 13. It comes above well, the uh, No, I don't. I, I, I'm looking at maybe below Jessica Rabbit. You always be looking below Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. Do you like <laughs> those dudes that when she's at the club singing and those creeps are looking at her? I do quite like this song. I can live with that. Put Tulsa Time above Jersey Shore. Jessica Rabbit's the number four. So let's say the new number 15 is Tulsa time. Yeah, and Jersey Shore moves down to number 16. Yeah, that works for me. Perfect. That about wraps it up. Yeah, well, that about wraps it up. So we added four new things, all songs, yeah. to the list of everything. So don't say theme. that we don't have music on here. If you do, yep. you're wrong. We retained Prince at number one. And now we have 39 things. Number 39 is still QAnon. Probably yeah. will be for a while. We'll see. Maybe QAnon but, will be redeemed somehow. Maybe they're going uh, <laughs> to... Yeah, like, yeah, probably. <laughs> You know, but then we'll feel dumb. We won't when be the able children to get it. saved. We'll be laughing. We'll then. have to move it up the list. Yeah, be above Jessica Rabbit. So thanks for listening to Every Damn Thing. We hope you enjoyed it. Go to everydamthing.net for the updated list of Every Damn Thing and the show notes, which is where we fact checked ourselves, give further information on the subjects we talked about, and put links. Email us at list at everydamthing.net with any suggestions for things to rank, comments, words of encouragement, words of discouragement, corrections, threats, or special offers. So you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you got your episode. Our theme is by Jade Puget. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you didn't enjoy it, then keep your opinions to yourself and live with them. Tell your best friend the good news that finally there's a podcast for them. And we will see you next episode. And good night. Good night.